If you have your Bibles tonight, and you would, we're in uh, Revelation chapter 12. And I told you last week, Revelation chapter 12 is very, very important, uh, like all of the Bible, but depending on how you read through the book of Revelation, chapter 12 is usually where people really begin to struggle because they work their way through chapter 11. We're at the end of the tribulation almost, and then we jump back to watch this battle between the woman and the child and the dragon, and so it throws us off. And so depending on how you view the book of Revelation, like I do, uh, this is going back explaining uh, why these things are happening and from a spiritual side of it, especially when you think about if you are living through the tribulation, which I believe the church has been raptured out, the Jewish people are the target that God is working through, and they are getting ready to experience a persecution in this last three and a half year period like anything the world has ever seen before. And so uh, in this chapter, we see three different individuals. We see the woman, the child, and the dragon. And no matter what Bible commentator you read, the child is usually not an issue. Most everybody agrees that it's talking about Jesus. Um, if you were to read about the fiery dragon, uh, I think it's 14 times, 13 times in the book of Revelation, Satan is referred to as the dragon. So that's not the issue either. Where the disagreement comes in is the woman. Who is the woman spoken about here? In the Roman Catholic Church, uh, their teaching is that this is Mary, that this is talking about Mary and Satan's hatred for Jesus and for her. I do not believe that is a biblical argument because Mary is always talked about as being a humble servant. She's talked about being blessed, but never in this sense of a spiritual warfare against her. Um, and so we're going to look at that tonight. We're going to look at some of the uh, different uh, thoughts on that. Some people view the woman as the church. I disagree with that opinion, too, because I don't believe that the church gave birth to Jesus, right? Uh, he is the creator of his church. And so uh, what, who is this woman? And so as we go through this, we're going to look at, at all of those and try to find out what this matters and why. And so if you would pray with me, and we're going to jump right in. Father, tonight we thank you for your word and Lord that it is perfect in every way. And even though we are fallen, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit reveals to us these truths. We pray, Lord, that it would strengthen our faith, encourage us, Lord, and be reminded that you are in control. And so, Father, we just ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And so if you remember last week in chapter 11, we took looked there a couple things about that God is in control. The fact that God's people rejoice um, when he is at work. But starting here in verses 1 through 6, we'll just read through these verses. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven diadems on his head. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. 
She bore a male child who was to rule nations, all nations, with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she was has a place prepared for her that they should feed her there 1,260 days. So in order to really look at this, what are women referenced in the book of Revelation? If you remember back in chapter 2, um, talking to the church at Thyatira, we see this Jezebel that is referenced and this sinful pagan um, mess that was going on in that church. And so in Revelation 2, chapter 18 through 21, and to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write these things, says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality and she did not repent. So we see a reference to a woman here. I don't believe it is the same reference in chapter 12. In chapter 17, we see reference to another woman in the unfolding of the end times. In chapter 17, verses 1 through 6, it says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked to me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, and with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fortification. And so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. That woman was raised in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication and on her forehead a name was written mystery babylon the great the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth i saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of jesus and i saw her and i marveled with great amazement so we see this false religion this false world power and its true wickedness we once again see a reference to a wife or woman in Revelation chapter 19 when the church is talked about in all of its fullness. Revelation chapter 19, and I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters, as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And so we know the Bible uh, talks about Jesus being the bridegroom. We are his bride as the church. You can read about that in Ephesians chapter 5. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians talking about the church now though before it is made whole in chapter 19. Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me, 
for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you a chaste virgin to Christ. And so Christ, the church is referred to as the bride. And so we see these unfolding in this book of Revelation. And so who is the woman in chapter 12? If you want to, you can flip with me to Genesis chapter 3. Because this is where the story begins. Starting in chapter 14 and 15, after the fall, it says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his feet. And so we see here this battle between Satan and the seed of women all the way back in Genesis chapter three. Now, this is generally against her offspring, but yet we know that as Abraham is chosen, this runs through the lineage of Jesus. And Jesus, whether you want to admit it or not, was a Jewish Messiah, right? Mary's lineage, we know that Joseph, uh, his lineage is given in Matthew chapter 1, Luke chapter 3. Um, but it's Mary's lineage as well in Luke chapter 3 that refers to him as coming through the Jewish people. So I believe that what he is talking about here in the woman is the Jewish people, the nation of Israel. There are a bunch of verses I'm going to give you, but I want you to think about this chapter as this being the Jewish people, because what happens? One, they are persecuted. One, Satan is blocked access from heaven. I believe that will be at the three and a half year point of the tribulation. And so Satan will be unleashed upon this world for the last three and a half years of the tribulation. You look there in the same chapter, the woman flees to the wilderness where she can avoid persecution by the Lord's help. And so it all fits in together with the Jewish people and the unfolding of that. And so we're not going to get into the beast tonight, and we probably won't even get into the child tonight. But I want to show you how many times in the Old Testament that the nation of Israel is referred to as the wife, the woman, and show you why I think these two are connected. But I also want to say that, so for instance, some people view this as, as that this is God's promise. God's promise of protection to the church. I disagree with that because I believe the church is already in heaven. The Lord is working through the Jewish people. And so, uh, but there are multiple different opinions on who the woman is. But I'm going to show you what I think are the overwhelming number of verses that point to this being the nation of Israel, which fits the narrative if the book of Revelation is written with the Jewish people in mind to redeem them after the time of Gentiles, how that unfolds. All right? Questions, thoughts before we jump in? All right. So, look in Genesis chapter 37, starting in verses 9 through 11, and let's go back to Revelation chapter 12. 
In chapter 12 it starts, Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. If you've ever remembered the dream that Joseph had about his brothers, this is almost identical. We see the twelve sons who end up being the twelve tribes with a little bit of of, as you know, some difficulties with claiming the land and stuff like that. But listen to what it says in Genesis 37. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So Joseph is one of twelve. The moon and the sun, and if you look back in chapter 12, what did it say? Woman clothed with the sun, with the woman moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. I do not believe that this could be Mary. I do not believe that she is referenced like this anywhere in the Word of God. Now, three or four hundred years after the foundation of the church, uh, then you begin to see Catholic theologians tying Mary into this. And I do not think that is accurate. Joseph is referencing here what? Him and his brothers who make up the tribes of Israel and the fact that they are going to worship him in Egypt. Alright? It is not referencing Joseph's mother. It's the concept in Revelation, I believe, that Israel, the nation of Israel, is through the lineage that Jesus comes. Alright? And that Satan has always, since God chose Abraham, hated the Jewish people. And I'm going to give you some examples of that very quickly. And I took a picture of this because, as you know, my brain is not... Um, very good, all right? So I want you to think about throughout human history and how the Jewish people have been persecuted. If you remember, Pharaoh tried to wipe them out. If you remember, Nebuchadnezzar tried to walk, wipe them out. Alexander the Great, Emperor Nero, after the New Testament was completed and the rise of the Islamic faith, you had the Turks, the Ottoman Empire, Russia, Arab nations to this day will not acknowledge that the nation of Israel is a valid country, Christians during the Crusades, and Hitler and the Holocaust. And so when we see here that the dragon is trying to kill the seed of the woman, we see not only a history of that in world history, but we also see it in the scriptures. When Moses was born, they were trying to what? Murder children. And so we know the story of his mother putting him in a basket. If you remember the story, story from the scriptures about Herod at the birth of Jesus, he went and murdered all children under a certain age. Why? Trying to kill the child. In that case, the promised child is Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 9, Romans chapter 9, we see here Paul is writing, I tell you the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. He's talking about his fellow Jews. 
For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren. I have never prayed that I would give up my salvation for you. N never, okay? I am no Paul. My countrymen, according to the... That word is important. Flesh. It's not figurative. It's not... It's literal. He's talking about his fellow Jewish people. And you say, well, I don't agree with that. Well, look what it says in verse 4. Who are... Now, come on now. <laughs> Israelites. To whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, and the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises. He says, all of the Old Testament promises, they were given first to the Jewish people. Of whom are the fathers, and from whom, don't miss this, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, the eternally blessed God. Amen. So Jesus came by the flesh. The woman giving birth to Christ in the sense that he was Jewish. They are God's chosen people in the Old Testament. Romans 11 tells us when the time of the Gentiles comes to an end, that God has a purpose and a plan to save the Jewish people through Christ. And so we see in Genesis 37, almost identical to the vision and dream that we see in Revelation chapter 12. Romans 9 tells us that Christ came fully God, fully man, right? You can't separate that. He was truly God and truly man, as some commentators like to say. But look at verse 2 of Revelation chapter 12. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give now we're going to skip verse 3 because it's all about the dragon trying to kill the child and to stop what's going on. In chapter verse 4, it's uh, talking about a third of the stars in heaven. But if you go down to verse 4.5 or 4b, And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of Iron. So this child is a significant child. It's not just an ordinary child. It is a child who was destined to rule. But look back on the verses that I gave you because I really want you to see the multiple times in the Old Testament that we see these references to Israel. In Isaiah chapter 26, it starts in verse 16 saying, Lord, in trouble they have visited you. They have poured out a prayer when your chastening was upon them. As a woman with child is in pain and cries out in her pains. When she draws near the time of her delivery. So we have been in your sight. So he's talking about God looking at the nation of Israel in their weak moments, in their failures, in their strugglings when God was correcting them. We have been with child. We have been in pain. We have, as it were, brought forth wind. We have not accomplished any deliverance in the earth, nor the inhabitants of the world fallen. Your dead shall live together with my dead body. They shall arise, awake and sing. You who dwell in dust, for your dew is like the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. So he's talking about the sinfulness of Israel, the fact that they had failed. They had not been who God wanted them to be, but yet there was hope, right? There is hope, just like the Bible teaches that Christ died for the 
ungodly. We are sinful. We are wicked. But yet Christ loves us and died for us. And while we don't deserve heaven, we don't deserve eternal life that we can have it through Christ. Isaiah 54, if you're familiar with the chapter that comes before that and all that is in that wonderful chapter. In verse 54, you can read all of that yourself uh, just for the sake of time. But we see here he's talking about children and he's talking about a married woman and, and, and the Lord expanding uh, their blessings. But go down to verse 5. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, like a youthful wife when you refused, says your God. And don't miss this because he's not bragging about Israel, okay? Never forget that Israel has failed God and failed God and failed God. And the reason he is going to work is not because of them, but because of him. Look what it says in verse 7. For a mere moment, I have forsaken you during times of chastisement and correction. But with great mercies, I will gather you with a little wrath. I hide my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your redeemer. In Isaiah chapter 66, we see the same identity as Israel being referenced to a woman, to a woman in labor, to the Lord being her kinsman redeemer. In Isaiah 66, verses 5 through 9, hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word, your brethren who hated you, who cast you out for my name's sake. Let the Lord be glorified that we may see your joy. But they shall be a saint. The sound of the noise from the city, a voice from the temple, the voice of the Lord who fully repays his enemies. Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such a thing? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Shall I bring to the time of birth and not cause delivery, says the Lord? Shall I who cause delivery shut up the womb, says your God. So he's referring in multiple cases to Israel, this idea of childbirth, the fact that God is the one that brought the nation of Israel into existence. God is the one who has made the promises to Israel. God is the one who's going to redeem Israel. So you see this pattern over and over again in Genesis chapter 12, one more. And I put the underline in there because Jake needs attention, call the things. But in Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three, now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country for your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so Israel it is not 
the focus of the glory. It is the child that is the focus of the glory. It's the fact that God made promises with Israel. He worked through the Jewish people, but it's still all about Jesus. All right, it's all about the fact that Jesus is the child of promise. He is the one who brings salvation. But yet we see how God has referenced so many times this concept that I believe he is then teaching again in Revelation chapter 12. Like I said, this commentary here views this as a figurative of God's protection. Just like uh, the 144,000 were figurative. Just like the two witnesses are figurative. That is one view. I don't agree with that view. But it is a view that is held very widely. And so thoughts, questions, etc. How you view the woman is how you will view the entire book of Revelation for the most part. All right, because if you view it as a woman, then when you begin to read through, it makes sense. The woman persecuted. Okay. Uh, the, the Satan is thrown out of heaven. That three and a half year period where the um, persecution gets worse. All of those things, it begins to fit. Or if you want to hold from a figurative view that the church is still there, it's the church's protection, it's those kind of things. I think that takes more um, stretching than just a literal seemingly interpretation of the woman represents Israel, the child is Jesus who came through the Jewish people, and the fact that Satan hates Jesus and he hates the Jew. All right? So. Well, let's look at the child then. So, in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 3, you can read those on your own time because um, we've all read those, probably we've heard them read in church, and I have no desire to butcher up 37 names uh, this evening. But we see that in Matthew chapter 1, if you want to flip over there, I didn't put them in there because you should bring your Bible. Um, we see the book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and it goes through that list all the way down to verse 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David until the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations, and from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ are 14 generations. And so we know the book of Revelation is written to a Jewish audience, and so this is very important. All right, it's very important. Luke though, we know, is, is written uh, by Luke, who was a doctor, to a uh, different focus. But yet, if you read in chapter 3, we see this very similar genealogy, not exactly alike because it goes uh, even uh, farther. Uh, but yet we see in chapter 3, um, it's chapter 3, chapter 2. Yeah, chapter 3, starting in verse 23, right? And now Jesus began himself his ministry about 33 years of age, as he was supposed, the son of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Matthi. And you go all the way down, and it goes all the way back to, though, Adam. If you look at verse 38, the son of Eshaw, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. And so we see this lineage being established um, that is important, right? And uh, I have this here because I think this is important. 
um, because you're saying, well, that's the, that's the dad side. Well, I'm glad that you wanted to know because if you would like to know Mary's lineage as recorded by David, it doesn't mention Mary, but that's to be expected. It begins this way. Jesus was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph, the son of Heli. This comment affirms the truth that Jesus' virgin birth. You can read about that in Luke chapter 1, verses 29 through 38. Joseph was the son of Heli by virtue of his marriage to Mary, who would have been the daughter of Heli. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 16, lists Joseph's biological father as Jacob. All right, so that's very, very important. So if we notice that, then Mary would have been a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob in Luke chapter 3. She was specifically of the tribe of Judah in verse 33. She was also a descendant of Boaz, verse 32, David, verse 31. Significantly, though, if this is the line of thought, Luke traces Mary's lineage all the way back to Adam. This fit fits with Luke's purpose as he wrote to Gentiles and emphasized that Jesus is the Son of God who came to seek and save the lost. So, very interesting there, something that I had never really paid much attention to, the differences in the names starting out. And so, takes us that Jesus' lineage comes through the Jewish people. Um, but look at this child with me for just a minute. Who is this child that is referenced in Luke, in Revelation chapter 12? Before the woman who is ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born, she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. Well, what do we know about Jesus if you look at Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 9? Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. While they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. And so it begins to lay out who this child is. If you've read Revelation chapter 20, we see here about him ruling over a kingdom. I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years was finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has a part in the first resurrection. Over such, the first death has no power. But they shall be priests of God's and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So we see a child who reigns all nations. But it goes on. And there's more in Psalm chapter 2. You say, Jake, you're giving a lot of scripture. Yes, because it can help and I cannot, all right? In Psalm chapter 2, it's talking about the Messiah. It's talking about how he will rule. I will declare a decree, the Lord said to me, you are my son. 
Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give to you the nations for your inheritance. It is no accident that when Satan tempted Jesus, right? He said, if you will throw yourself down in front of me and worship me, all these kingdoms can be yours. But God says, no, you're going to have them. And the ends of the earth for your possession, you shall what? Break them with a rod of iron. If you want to go back up to verse 5 in Revelation 12, what did it say? She bore a male child who was the rule of all nations with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Isaiah chapter 7 and Isaiah chapter 9 are very familiar passages of Scripture. In Isaiah chapter 7, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. You shall call his name Emmanuel. In Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, For unto us a child is born, unto us a child is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and establish it with judgment and justice from this time forward, that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So when we begin this chapter and we begin to try to understand why is this persecution happening to the Jewish people? Why is this great tribulation going on? This last three and a half year period of tribulation to the Jewish people. And if you have been living through this and you are Jewish, all right, you're thinking, what is going on? Why is this happening? It's almost like God gives this to John to remind them that this is not an accident, that God is still in control, that this has not taken God by surprise. And if you, we're going to look at the dragon next week, but if you think about it, especially here in describing him, the Bible tells us, if you believe Isaiah and Ezekiel talk about this, that when Satan rebelled, he took one third of the angels with him. We know the Bible tells us that he has access to heaven because he accuses the brethren daily. As one preacher said, Satan has never ruled in hell. All right? That is a movie mistake. All right? The Bible talks about those in Jude that have those fallen angels that are in captivity in hell. But the Bible tells us that up until this point, in the halfway point of the tribulation, that Satan is still accusing you and me before the fall. Now, I don't know why that is. I don't understand that. But if... What we see next in the witnesses uh, in this chapter about Satan thrown out of heaven, if that happens at the three and a half year period, then that makes sense why persecution gets worse on the earth because he doesn't have access to heaven. And so that persecution becomes worse. And because of that, the Jewish people are then led, if you read in verse 11, no, excuse me, not verse 11, in verse 13, it says, Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman 
who gave who who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle. Well, we've seen that analogy in the book of Isaiah. That she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time. Now, don't miss this. All right, this is really important. In verse 6, it says what? 1,260 days. Three and a half years. All right, when you read chapter 12, verse 14, she will be nourished for a time and times and half a time. And we looked at that, and that is what? Three and a half years. And so if you just read it for kind of how it unfolds, it begins to then fit. It begins to kind of explain this. Some of the concerns are, has Satan already been thrown out of heaven totally? Well, like I said, there's verses in the Bible that give us the analogy that he is still the accuser of the brethren. He is already defeated. We know that. But yet the Bible tells us we have an advocate, right? Who sits at the right hand of the Father, daily making intercession for us. All right. So if you take that for what it means, that Satan looks down at Jacob Gray and says, he is not who he should be. He shouldn't be the pastor of that church. He shouldn't be serving you, Lord. He's got a temper. He's got this sin. He's got that sin. He's got that struggle. But yet Jesus Christ advocates on my behalf that I am covered by his blood. It's not based on my righteous righteousness, my goodness, but that the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross, took my punishment, was buried, rose again, conquered sin and death and the grave. That is why God can look at us, look at us and forgive us and can forget our sins as far as the east is from the west as the ground is to the celestial uh, heavens. Why? Because of his blood. Because of what he has done for us. But if, if I'm going through this time of great persecution, great difficulty. And what we've seen in the Bible in this book of Revelation is we see some judgment. And then God gives a break and explains it. Kind of like a time of hope. And I believe that's why chapter 12 is here. Because if you are getting ready to go through this or you are going through this. Now, I know you don't have this problem, all right? This is not you. But when things do not go the way I think they should go, my first response is not, Lord, thank you for this. Now, some of you are, I know I can see the spiritual halos coming out. You're, you're super Christians. But that's not how I start out. I can ask why. I can have doubts. I can have fears. I can have struggles. And the Lord has to then begin to show me. That's why I think Bible study is so important in your personal life. Because God's word is living. Right? It is always effective to work in your life. And so I can be struggling with something. I can be dealing with something. And as I begin to study God's word, I begin to read it. The Lord reminds me how blessed I am. Or the Lord reminds me that he's in control. The Lord reminds me that he is working and moving. And so I see this chapter as and it's become so divisive. And I don't think that's the purpose. 
I think it is a chapter that is supposed to give hope and encouragement that God is in control, that God is taking care of them, that God is going to work all of this out, that God is going to provide. God is going to do all of these amazing things. But yet that's not the focus that we usually have. And so when you read God's word, be reminded that it is truth, that it, it, is, it has a purpose. And so sometimes God's word is the purpose is to correct us, right? We read what it says, in, for instance, Romans chapter one. If you want to flip over there with me, this is the, the sidebar. Romans chapter one, you can read through that and see that there are consequences from sin and there are consequences for not repenting of sin, right? And we see there in uh, Romans chapter one, right about this list of sins and, and in verse 24, right? Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their body among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped the, and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And if you go on, you can read through what that list looks like, right? And you can see that there's a warning and God shows us these things that shouldn't be in our lives. And so there's a time when all of us need to be corrected, need the word of God to point out our faults and our sins. But the word of God is also there to encourage, to remind us. And so when we read the book of Revelation, we go through all of these chapters about judgment and correction and the fact that there are trumpets and there are seals and there are bowls and all of this is going on and, and all of this death and heartache and correction. But then we get right here to chapter 12 and God says, Satan has been out to destroy and supplant God from the beginning. This is not a new thing. God is still in control. God still reigns, that God still rules. And for me, that is a great encouragement. I don't believe I'm going to be living through this period of time. If you do, that's fine. Read chapter 12 a lot, all right, to encourage. But it's there to remind us, one, that God has always had a plan. Did you read there in verse 12? In verse 12, it says, and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. God tells us the child was born. God tells us the purpose for why he was born, but yet he was what? Caught up, right? That word can be used for taken up, just like in Acts chapter one. It can be used as a snatch, like you read sometimes in, uh, in uh, the book of Thessalonians, all right? So God knew, God provided, God took care of. And when I read that, I think, well, that's great. Christ overcomes and he is the victor. But what about everybody else? Right? What about those who are going through it? And then that's where we see in verse 13 that the Lord provided. The Lord took care. And in verse 16, it says, but the earth held the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. It's amazing. I don't understand that. I don't understand how God's going to do that. Some people say it's this. Some people say it's that. 
I don't know. All right, I've read every possible explanation that people can make, and all I can say is, I don't know. All right, I know that the Lord has used earthquakes to judge. He might use an earthquake to save. Some people think that's a, an army from a different country that's going to come and fight for Israel. I don't really agree with that. One person said the eagle's wings that it's talking about is that some country is going to fly all of the saved Jewish people in Israel to somewhere else. I don't believe that's accurate either. Because when the Lord comes back to destroy his enemies, he comes back where? Chapter 19 to Jerusalem, right? To destroy his enemies. So there are a bunch of things I can't answer for you, okay? And I don't claim to. But what I do want you to see is this. Where, however you believe about Revelation chapter 12 is that God is in control. God has a plan. And God does not abandon his people. All right? And so whether that's today or in the future. So thoughts, questions. I encourage you to study it on your own. So next week, we will look at the dragon and um, all of the ways that that talks about Satan, um, how it talks about how he's been at work, which we looked at that a little bit tonight, um, but not a lot. Um, I encourage you to go through those Old Testament passages and read them. Uh, I encourage you to look up things like the 1260 days, the 42 months. Um, you can read about those in the book of Daniel. You can read about those in other places. And so let Scripture speak for Scripture, right? And that's why it is so important to know the Word of God, study the Word of God, and to be reminded of what it says.